0: Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! Connor Tate is going to round third, he will score! And rounding third is Blayla, he will score! And the Dogs rock it off! If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football... Basketball, baseball, and recruiting. Then you are in the right place. Then, then you are in the, the right, right place. place. It's third down, Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield! Underthrown and intercepted! Kaylee Rango has an escort down the sidelines! All the way to the end zone at Georgia! Who's going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Got a lot to talk about today as Georgia went to Auburn and Jordan Hare Stadium and had a little bit of a squeaker there. So we're going to talk about the game yesterday, 27 to 20 for Georgia over Auburn on the road. Uh, got a little bit other stuff to kind of mix in throughout the conversation as well. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about Kentucky next weekend, which is a seven o'clock night game against a ranked opponent now that Kentucky is still moving. So Jonathan, how are we feeling? I know you were in Auburn. You got to experience mm-hmm. game day there. Talk to us about it and how you feeling?
2: Auburn, a cool city. I thought it was a really cool college town. Nice flat campus. UGA definitely does not have that. So I appreciated that aspect of everything. I thought it was cool. This is like my first time experiencing like a true elite road environment in the SEC. So I was really neat to experience. So overall, from that perspective, as a business trips standpoint, that all was great. Um game wise. There was just a lot that happened. Um, I think that definitely in that first half, there was uh, Auburn basically just did everything that they that they couldn't do as a from a Georgia perspective, Auburn was doing everything that you couldn't allow in a place like Jordan Hare. you know, turnovers, costly turnovers, letting big explosives, letting Auburn get into business right away. Like those are all things that you tell yourself before you go into Jordan Hare. like, Those are things that we have to keep away from happening in this game or else we're going to get in trouble, and that's what happened for Georgia. But I think the biggest takeaway is that the offense was able to keep it rolling. Carson Beck and Brock Bauer specifically really settled in for the Bulldogs in the second half, and you came away with a victory when basically all odds were against you. The momentum was against you. The stadium was against you. Everything about that game was going against you until you up and right took that from them and you went out outright and won the football game so that's what matters you're five and oh
1: yeah five and oh is exactly what matters and there's very few of those teams in the sec left at this point you still got missouri and you still got kentucky which georgia has on their schedules um i think that's it right just those three teams georgia and those two georgia missouri kentucky yeah I think everybody else has lost at this point. Um, So with that, by the way, Georgia now has four ranked opponents on their schedule for this season, uh, for the remaining part of the season between Missouri, uh, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. So you still got four ranked opponents now, which before the season started, I think you had one officially ranked, which was Tennessee. And I think everybody else has kind of climbed their way up. Mm -hmm. I don't think Ole Miss was ranked at first, but they are now. Uh, So, You've now got four ranked opponents, which is why I tell people when we go into these seasons, yeah, Georgia's schedule doesn't look as good right now. But by the end of last year, schedule looked a lot better when it was all said and done. I think the same thing's happening this year. You have some teams stepping up and actually improving that strength of schedule for Georgia as it goes down the line. Uh, like I said, Kentucky is, I think, 21st right now or 20th, one or the other. And mm-hmm. they're, uh, that's a home game next week. So We'll see if they're still ranked if they lose that game or not. But they are currently ranked going into the matchup. So that's the big thing there. But, yes, as as far as talking about going to Auburn, playing there, we talked about it last week. It's a very difficult place to play. Uh, It it is Weird stuff seems to happen. Uh, My my two keys to success for this week were, one, don't turn the ball over. Guess what? They turned the ball over twice, and both of them led to touchdowns. That's 14 Mm -hmm. points for Auburn right there. And then the second thing was they don't throw the ball well. They only threw the ball 175 yards a game leading into this one. So my key was load the box, make them throw the ball on you. Don't let them get big run plays. Don't let them do that. Well, they ate you up in the run game. They had most rushing yards against Georgia since 2018, I think, is what it was. But uh, that's that's what you can't do. When a team is one-dimensional and you know they're one-dimensional, I mean, shoot, they only threw for 81 yards yesterday. So you didn't let them beat you that way, but you let them continue to make big plays and explosive plays in the run game. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, three turnovers actually
2: wasn't even two. You you gave up three turnovers, so you lost a turnover battle three to one. And the, so, like you, I mean, you look at the stat line, to be honest, and you say, oh, Auburn got three turnovers. You got one turnover for yourself. I mean, odds are a lot of people are saying that Georgia probably doesn't win that football game, to be honest. But I thought what was... I think the, just the biggest thing is uh, for the defense specifically, you know, I asked Malachi Starks after the game of Peyton Thorne um, and his addition to the run game kind of caught them off guard because it certainly caught me off guard. I wasn't really expecting him to play that much of a role in it. And he said no. He gave the typical Georgia answer of like, you know, Peyton Thorne's a really, really good football player. So we were prepared for him to make some big plays for them. And he did. So. But I thought what was interesting is the fact that they kept crashing down off the edge super hard every single play. I mean, even after Thorne broke off that 64-yard run or whatever it was – they kept crashing, crashing down on the edge, and I think what their game plan was, or at least this was my kind of takeaway from it, is that they were just relying on whoever was at star, whether that was Tyke Smith or whoever. That's who they were relying on to keep the quarterback honest, and I think that they just got got a couple times, and that's what Auburn was able to kind of fuel their offense. And in the run game specifically, it seemed like Georgia just really have not have an answer for it. I thought Auburn's offensive line in the run game specifically played really well. And they just had Georgia's number all day until Georgia finally stepped up, helped the offense regain the momentum of the football game and really sealed the deal for them. But I just think that Auburn had a good game plan. that executed. I mean, I said before the game last week, I was like, if Auburn's going to have a chance, Peyton Thorne and that offense are going to have to play the game of their life. And that's what yeah. they did, man. I mean, for three quarters, at least Peyton Thorne and that offense were playing the game of their life.
1: Yeah, they were playing well, and when you really look at Georgia's overall performance in the game, like I said, you had those turnovers, and then you had three punts. You only punted three times, so other yeah. than that, you were traveling down the field. You were at least getting a field goal. You're getting points on the board and moving well. Obviously, you know you got 313 yards passing from your starting quarterback, which is a solid performance. He did have that interception, and I want to talk about that for a second too because I think I texted you when this happened was you had to pick on him, But it was honestly, it wasn't a bad throw. It was a really, really good play by the defender. Basically went over the back of the wide receiver to get the ball. It was a clean play. Don't get me wrong. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that he interfered or anything, but he went over the back and over the arm of the receiver to get the ball. It wasn't like it was just thrown right to the guy or it was an uncatchable ball. It was going to be caught. The only thing I could say on that, is I would like to see Marcus Roseby, jack Saint come to the ball a little bit to kind of avoid somebody being able to go over your back for it. That's what you want to see when you have those stop routes and you're throwing it to a receiver that's not moving. You want to see that receiver take a step forward or two steps forward and catch it that way so your defender can't do that. But I'm not putting it on him either. I'm just saying it was a great play by the defense. Th- those type of interceptions, turnovers, you can live with that. That's, that's a turnover that wasn't a bad play and that that can mm-hmm. happen in college football you, you can just make a better play on the other side of the ball uh but other than that you know it was the offense was moving pretty well and I mean Dajon fumbled but we recovered it. it Or no he didn't fumble he was down barely before the ball came out which was huge because you needed that but that the turnover plays like the fumbles and other stuff outside of that interception that's the kind of stuff that I still want to see Georgia shut down that's that's something where it like you said you get on a road against auburn and you start doing that kind of stuff that's when they can beat you that's when they can get you and you got to start letting that kind of dissipate and not put yourself in those holes but i mean even even when georgia was still down seven and it was 20 to four or 20 to 14 or whatever the score was i don't know uh 13 when they were down seven and i, I was watching the game with a few friends and i even said it then and i think i texted it to somebody too and i was like i i don't think georgia's losing this game I feel like Georgia is going to be able to win this game and then they had that huge drive to tie it then a 98 yard touchdown drive you know to to seal the game with a huge play by Brock Bowers and it's just there was a I had confidence in their ability to play from behind this year and that's that's something in the past few seasons that we've seen it and we don't know that they're going to be able to make that comeback you go back to the Missouri game from last year I was watching that game, and I did not feel like Georgia was going to win that football game. But they ended up winning it today or yesterday. I felt like Georgia was still going to win while they were down seven late in the game.
2: Well, you're a better man than me because to start the second half, when they had the turnover, they fumbled it. Auburn went down the field and scored. And then, as soon as it, they called it Dejon's run a fumble, I, I I was like Georgia's losing. I said, "You have back to back turnovers." If they lost that fumble, yeah. Half, yeah, I, it, And then that moment, I was like, Georgia's not winning this football game. I mean, in that type of environment with all – I mean, literally every ounce of momentum on Auburn's side at that point, I was like, there's no way you can come back from that. I was like, Jordan Hare got you this year. It, it's been a minute, but they finally, finally got you again. So – Definitely kudos to the offense and specific, like I said earlier, specifically Brock Bowers and Carson Beck. And also, too, I think Georgia found out how much they've missed. Ladd McConkey. it seemed like every third down, if it wasn't going to Brock Bowers, it was going to Ladd McConkey. Such a reliable receiver. Yeah. He knows the offense. Three,
1: all three of his catches were on third down, and they were yeah. conversions. All and three of them. I was I was talking to Brooks about this after
2: the game is you can tell when he lines up, maybe not even specifically in the X, but defensive backs are scared of him. The secondary is very scared of what Ladd McConkey can do as a wide receiver. And that's exactly why that comeback route or was open every single time on third down, because what they don't want is Lad McConkey beating them over the top, which is what he has done to Auburn in years past and so you can that's he adds that aspect and that's what I think Georgia has really needed in the wide receiver room is someone that just possesses like makes the defense feel like they're threatened by them like just by Ladd McConkey being on the field you could tell that the secondary was very concerned about what he was going to do and making sure and putting a lot of their focus on making sure Ladd McConkey didn't break open a big one and i think that's kind of what allowed the middle of the field to open up for Brock Bowers to make those big catches over the middle of the field and so I think him and the Lamaconkey and Brock Bowers duo, I think that pays huge dividends for Georgia offensively. And I think Carson Beck kind of figured that out early on. And that's what led them to have that big second half.
1: Yeah. And uh, hey, if you're watching right now, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, while man, you're we're on closing here. out on 400 and- subs. Yeah, let's go ahead and share it for everybody. Let's get us up to 400 subs on, on YouTube. So go ahead and do that. And Dan, my bad. I, what I was talking about was when it was 10 to 17. I know they were down mm-hmm. seven points when I made the comment. So that is my mistake on the score of how how it progressed. But they were down by seven when I was feeling like that. But anyways, yeah, exactly. Watching that connection grow, and, and I think that's really helping. When you have a guy like Brock Bowers on the field, and you have a new starting quarterback who is just five games in this year, it really helps you get comfortable. You know you have somebody. I mean, Brock was out there making one-handed catches. That one drive that he had the legit one-hand, fully extended, straight out, caught it, Took, got a hit right after. The, he had two plays in a row where he caught, made incredible catches and was getting hit right afterwards, um, which really helps a quarterback in those situations when you have a guy that can go out there and just get the ball. And so I think it helps him feel more comfortable, has somebody he knows he can go to. And uh, I, I really want to just give him the shout-out of – I mean the guy seems to be cold-blooded because this is twice in in games where you've been like behind, right? And you mm-hmm. need your quarterback to have big drives. You need your you need him to complete passes and drive the field, you know, 70 plus yards, in this case 98 yards at one point. You need a guy that can do that, and that's what he that's what he was able to do for you yesterday against Auburn. He seemed like he wasn't stressed about the score. He wasn't stressed about the situation, the, the turnovers. Like you said, came out of the half and fumbled immediately. Guess what? They scored right afterwards. So now you're in a hole again right after coming out of halftime where you needed a good drive right there. And now you get the ball back afterwards and you go down the field, you make some plays. That I think Carson's poise is something that is really standing out to me at this point in his career. He's still got some some room to grow. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, he threw the pick, and there was one one pass play that I felt like he wished he got back, which was that seam route to Delp. Um, that he just it was a little inside of Delp, and, and maybe Delp was supposed to kind of shade back in towards the middle, or maybe Carson was supposed to throw it a little bit more to the right. Those are hard to connect on when you're running straight down the field, and they, you know, like that that type of play. Um, so I'm sure he wants that pass back. But other than that. He, he played a very good football game. Wasn't he 23 for 33 again this week? 23 for 33. So he's he had a very, very good game, a poised game on the road you know, in a tough, tough environment, one of the toughest places that Georgia plays every single year. And he was able to deliver when the game was on the line. And I think that's something that if you let him grow in the other aspects of his game and you keep having the fact that he can be poised in a late game situation while you're trailing – the guy's going to be lethal when he gets to his full potential. Yeah. Carson
2: Beck definitely epitomizes poise, but I think that's just kind of Georgia's team this year. And I think Georgia's past Georgia teams have definitely had poise. I mean, you think back to the Ohio state game last year and the Missouri game last year, Georgia never looked out of sorts, but this year too, I think it's just specifically too, because Kirby smart has really seemed to take on this trait this year. Like anytime you look at the Georgia sideline or anytime you just kind of read players, body language, language, throughout the entire game, they never look out of sorts. They never look like they feel uncomfortable. They never look like they feel like they're in trouble. Like, I I, I I heard a story about Cedric Van Pram was singing Party in the USA yesterday in the middle of the first half. Like, dude was just vibing, even though his team's down on the road against Auburn. Like, they, they never seem out of sorts, and they just always seem like they have the utmost confidence in themselves and they know what the, what the job is and they know exactly what they need to do. And they know that they're going to accomplish that. That's the biggest part. It's not even just knowing what your job is. It's knowing that they are going to do so. And I think that's a special trait. That's an elite trait for a team to have to come from behind on the road right there. I think one drive in particular that really kind of, Um, dignified that was when they got down on the two-yard line. Shout out to Auburn's punter. Georgia, for some reason, has just been playing the most elite punters in the nation this year. So they got down on the two and – they got down on the two and I was like, well, you know what? I said this is I said this is exactly what Georgia needs right now. They need to go drive 98 yards and score a touchdown and get the momentum starting to shift back your way. And that's exactly what Carson Beck and the offense did. They drove 98 yards down the field, put seven on the board. I think they chewed like six minutes or seven minutes off of the yeah. clock. That's what you needed right there. That was the that was arguably potentially the most the biggest drive in the entire game. And they delivered. And then, you know, the um on defensively, like Tyke Smith and Dalen Everett, they were getting hunted. Like anytime Peyton Thorne and that offense were trying to take a shot, they were going after 23 or six. But Dalen Everett is the guy that arguably makes the biggest play of the oh, game. Yeah. He has the pass breakup sure. over on the boundary. What's up for surefire reception? and a perfectly thrown ball from Peyton Thorne. Dalen Everett comes in, breaks to the pass, Georgia gets the ball back. Like, man, those things matter so much, and especially in a moment where, like, you know you're getting picked on, you may not be having your best day. The refs would call defensive pass interference on you a good bit. Doesn't matter. They step up and they make the plays when they need to, and that's, that's what I think Georgia fans should really hold on to is that Georgia has these elite traits that not a
1: lot of other teams have right now. Really, not many other teams have even shown that this year. No, they haven't, and I, that was something that stood out to me as well. Like those guys getting hunted, which we've seen. Daylon, he, he's been hunted in several games this year, um, mm-hmm. and at times he's coming up with big plays. And that's not me taking a shot at him. That's when you're looking at Georgia's secondary. You got Kamari Lasseter on one side, and yesterday you had uh, Bullard was back out there. You had mm-hmm. you know Malachi Starks up there. Where, where are you going to throw the ball? Yeah, you're probably going to throw the ball at, at six ever and you're going to throw it at 23 Taiki Smith. That's yeah. when those are the guys that you have around you. Of course you're going to target those two guys. And Taiki was making other plays, maybe not necessarily as much in the passing game, but he was getting in the backfield, getting sacks and and make, making tackles behind the line on run plays. Like he was he was doing his job in that aspect of it. If he gets beat a couple times, you know, in the passing game, it you can live with that when you're playing, especially playing against a team like Auburn that's really not going to throw it a lot. So if you get beat once odds are you're not going to really get hurt too much by it unless they keep running like they did against you. Um, But that play that you're talking about was so perfectly timed on his part. It was in the hands of the receiver. It was, like you said, Mm -hmm. a surefire catch. And then he comes in there with a fist and just punches the ball at perfect timing before the guy's back even hits the ground. He punches the ball and the ball goes flying. I mean, there's nothing more he could do right there. It was perfect pass breakup. Um, and it was it was a, a like you said at a huge moment in the game where you needed it too so shouts out to him even though he's getting targeted a little bit throughout the season that he's coming up and making plays when they matter like that that's important absolutely I mean the story of the game in
2: my opinion was I think Georgia was eight for 12 on third downs while auburn was two for 12 something eight something along the lines for of Georgia, that I think eight of 13 yeah mm-hmm. that's the story of the game right there and that in a lot of those third downs was like third and eleven. Third and they seven, were long. third and 12, long third downs. And every single time Carson just sat in that pocket and he delivered a strike. It seemed like every single time and to have such poise, I mean, for crying out loud, the dude was playing his first ever road game in his college career in a place yeah. like Jordan Hare, And that's how he looks in the pocket every single yeah. third down when the crowd is its loudest like, dude, that that's special. You don't, you do not see that very often. I mean, he looked like a veteran. He looked like he had been doing that for the last four years of his entire life. That's that's a special trait to have in your quarterback and man the fact that he especially the fact that he threw that interception so early in the game that's an easy way to just get yourself rattled and kind of have your mind thrown off for the rest of the game but it almost seemed like as soon as that interception happened Carson was just a different guy like almost he had to get that out of the way and once it was out of the way he was good he was good he was going to cook the rest of the way and the offense in general I think just I think they kind of got sparked up by Carson and Brock Bowers and Ryan McConkie, and they fi- they found a way. They found a way to put points up on the board. And also, shout-out to Peyton Woodring. I know a lot of people get super nervous and super shaky when he goes out there because he had a shaky performance against South Carolina. But that dude delivered in some big-time moments for Georgia on Saturday, and he gets some credit, too, for being on the road and delivering some perfectly um, kicked balls through the uprights in and, and some key moments. So shout-out to him, the true freshman, for that.
1: Yeah, you absolutely need that. We've talked about that several times on here as well. You you know, in a game like this, you can't afford to not have those field goals go through. You have to have those points every single time. Um, And he, he came through for you this time. And hopefully we, you know, hopefully those those three misses he made in the first four games hopefully that's behind him right maybe he only misses one or two more the rest of the season if that's the case i will happily sit here and forget everything that happened in those first couple of games man we just need consistency moving forward and he showed you he could do it like you were talking again a true freshman on the road in a tough environment you know when the pressure's on you because you've already had a couple misses too so you get that opportunity and you come through for your team that that's massive um Going back to the third downs, you know, Georgia being eight for 13, the unsung hero on this one is your offensive line. They kept, Mm -hmm. you know, they kept Carson standing in the pocket uh, the whole game. You know, he did not get sacked once. Now, there was one play, uh, I think it was Bowers, that, or no, it was uh, Ra-Ra Thomas, came across the middle in a goal line situation or just outside the goal line situation. We were in the red zone, a ball over the middle. He puts it up there, but he takes a helmet straight to the chest. I mean, Mm -hmm. he had no extra time to sit in the pocket. He sat there just long enough to get rid of the ball. And ra -Ra Thomas bobbles it a little because it was a little out in front of him, makes a beautiful catch, and then moves forward with it. So uh, his ability to stand in the pocket on his part and take that type of hit, but the offensive line played incredible in pass protection for him on those third downs, which is part of what helped Georgia have that much success there.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think his pocket awareness is a little underrated. You know, he escaped multiple sacks and he even uses legs in key moments where, you know, he knew he it's like, it's time to tuck the ball and pick up what I can. And those were some big yards that he picked up on those plays. I think he took maybe one or two sacks throughout the game, but some of those are just like, dang, there's not much you can do right there if you're Carson. But I thought his pocket awareness was great. And that's, that's going to be big for Georgia moving forward because I think teams know now, if you want Carson Beck to get off his game, you're they're going to blitz him. They know that he is not going to be able to evade the pocket like that consistently. So they he they are going to get blitzed every single play. I mean, almost every single play. And key passing situations, they are going to be sending the house at him. So it's good to know that he has the pocket awareness to know when to get rid of the ball, where he knows he can evade the pocket. How like the confidence in himself to sit in there until the very last moment to deliver a strike. That's good to know. And I think that. Honestly, in this Auburn game, I think this was the game where we got the most answers about this team more than any other football game. You know, we got the answer that Georgia could come from behind and win a football game against South Carolina. We know what the offense's potential is and all those other games and what the defense is capable of. That's what we learned in those other games against UAB, UT, Martin, Ball State. But I think against Auburn we got the most questions answered about this team in totality as in regards to identity and regards to character and regards to what they are made of and what they are known by. I think that's what those are the types of questions that you got answered yesterday.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's exactly what you got, but I mean, Georgia as a whole, like we've said, has has got some stuff to work on. They're obviously yeah. not perfect. You're still having some issues with turnovers and, and situations like that. You want to see that kind of get cleaned up. But I think if Georgia can eliminate the turnovers in these games, I think that you will see a very dominant performance moving forward. Like I said earlier, those two turnovers, you had to pick – on the second play of the drive that put them on plus side of the field inside like mm-hmm. around the 40 yard line, 45 yard line. They drove down the field in a few plays, get that <coughs> touchdown right away. Second half yeah. starts up, you fumble the kickoff and guess what? They have the ball at the 30 or whatever it was mm-hmm. and they score real quick right there in a couple plays. That's 14 points for this team. That scored yeah. 20 points against you, right? So that's their only touchdowns of the game that came because you gave them plus field. You put them on your side of the field and they capitalized on it. And when you're playing in the SEC, they will capitalize on that every time. And at least gonna get they were at least getting a field goal on both of those drives when you put them in that type of situation. Yeah, I mean that's kind of been the story of Georgia's defense is if the
2: offense is turning the football over and they're putting you in tough spots, there's only so much they can do. And there's really only so much you can ask of them. But overall I know there's some concerns a little bit about the run game. I think that'll get fixed. Georgia has always been really good in the run game. I mean, they have always, always, always been good in the run game. I don't think that's anything you need to worry about. I just think Auburn executed really well, and I think those questions will get answered. But I think what Dan is talking about in the comments, talking about the offensive line and the run game there, I do think there are does continue to be some problems there. But now Auburn, I don't care how bad that team is. I don't care if Auburn goes 0-12 a season. I don't care. They have SEC bodies on the defensive line every single year. I mean, they have dudes on that front seven every single year. They have SEC bodies on that defense every single year, and they always give teams fits when it comes to stopping the run. I mean, they always are – that's something that they seem to always be really good at. And I think Georgia just kind of fell victim to that. I think the offensive line play, I don't know officially because I can't tell you and I can't analyze that enough to give you a confident answer on that. But from my perspective, yeah, offensive line play specifically in the run – not the best. Definitely some things to get worked on. Continue to improve upon. But you know, maybe it was just like Auburn had your number that day. Auburn had it better than you, and they've just had your number. They've they were just out talented. I don't want to say out talented because Georgia has immense talent. Talent. Maybe there, they were just yeah, better than yeah. you on that day. You know.
1: Yeah, and I mean it happens like that at times. You you have somebody just gets your number. You know, they have your number. They get the best of you, and it is what it is. But uh, I, I mean, I, I still think. Edwards had a good game. He ran for seventy something yards. I don't know the exact number, and I know it was in the seventy area. Uh, I think Bell, he had like Dylan carries Bell, too. Yeah, he did. He had a lot of carries, and then Dylan Bell making big plays with his legs again, which is something that is shocked everybody throughout the season overall. But at this point, we know that's what he can do when he comes. He's kind of a nice little change of pace for the running backs that we do have. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of tells you what's going on in that running back room when he's still getting consistent carries. How about overall. the fullback dive with um, Bowers? Love it, man! That was freaking he got a awesome. Carry from the backfield. I was like, "What yeah, the heck, got a kind of formation is this?" And then they did a fullback dive with Bowers. I was like, "Bobo, you sob, you creative sob." <laughs> Listen, we knew they were going to do it at some point in time with Bowers. They were going to give him the ball like that at some point in time, yeah. and they did so. Uh, we'll see how many times it happens later. We'll see if teams start really thinking about it now that you put it on film now they you got to, to think about that being an option. Now you don't have a choice but to think about it because they've done it uh, so that's another aspect that Georgia can continue to grow in. I think when when you look at this game, I'm gonna wrap up my conversation on it and we can talk about Kentucky unless you got more stuff to say as well but uh I mean overall, like I said last week and then at the beginning of the show, don't turn the ball over and then you know, make sure you're consistently moving and making the most of your chances. And obviously, but turning the ball over, you eliminate those. And then you're going to be a lot more dominant in these games. uh, Moving forward, you get Kentucky at home next week. That's going to be a big emphasis. Again, you can't turn the ball over against sec opponents. They'll make you pay for it. And then obviously defensively, you know, like you were saying, you got to conceal the edge when you've got a quarterback that's scrambling on you a lot and getting the best yeah. of you. And they were kind of firing in and letting that go. And which also hurts on you know, they're not containing the edge in general. So running backs are getting outside and making big plays. They weren't necessarily running down the middle on you all game long. They were just gashing you, getting outside and making big plays. So hopefully that's something that they can work towards this next week because when we get into the Kentucky conversation, the running game is something to be concerned about. <laughs> Yeah, I
2: just don't want Georgia fans to take this win for granted. I really, really don't. This may have been a stat that they flashed on the TV screen, which, of course, I wasn't watching it on TV. But Auburn, since two thousand and one at home, was four and zero against number one ranked teams, four and zero until yesterday. I look. I know that may be a coincidence. It may just be that voodoo magic. That may be a whole lot of they got Georgia that I'm talking in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Ex- exactly. I don't care what you say. You win in Jordan hair. I don't care if it's by seven points. I don't care if it's by one point. I don't care if you win the game two to zero. Do not take those wins for granted. And that's what Kirby smart really said in his press conference. When we were in there listening, he just kept saying like, guys, I don't think you you guys understand how hard it is to go on the road in the SEC and win a football game. He said, I think I may be the only one that truly understands and gets just how difficult it is to win on the road in this environment and win with a quarterback that is going on the road for the first time in his life. So, like, I really just don't want fans to take this for granted. Sure, it may not have been the prettiest of wins. It may not have been glamorous. It may not have been the 30-point beatdown that everybody was hoping for. But, man, just walk out of that one and say, we got the dub. That's a dub on the schedule. Now we look forward to Kentucky. That's how you should look at that, in my opinion.
1: Listen, any any win in the SEC as a whole, like, I think Georgia fans – I saw somebody post a thing and was like, all right, what does Georgia have to do this week for you to be satisfied? And you see a lot of people say, all right, I want them to win by 25 points, something like that. You want to see all that. You want to see them get to a hot start, which those things you would love to see, right? And then For there was sure. a few people like just a handful of people in this conversation that were like just win. I mean, you just win the game. That's all you got to do and I'll be satisfied. And that's how I am. As as long as Georgia keeps winning, I don't care if they win every single game by 3 points the rest of the year. That means they win every single game, we will be okay yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Like it, that it doesn't matter how much you win by, it just matters that you win. Georgia was able to do it. Like you said, time to look forward to Kentucky, which has been a little bit more of an amped up matchup now that they are still undefeated they're rolling and they just beat florida pretty handedly last week this is the stat that i wanted to show you um talking about la because going into last week's game my point was mm-hmm. this team does not pass very much they run the ball pretty well let's try to sh- shut down the run game make th- make them mm-hmm. beat you in the air that's what i wanted to see georgia do against auburn that's what they're going to have to try to do again this week it's a little bit more passing from Kentucky overall, but this past week, Kentucky only had 69 passing yards in a game that they scored 30, nice. 33 points. 69 passing yards, right? They ran for 329 yards. Mm. Mm. That's a problem. When your defense struggled this week against Auburn and let them run on you like that, and then you go against a team that just had 320 yards, 329 yards rushing in a game against Florida, man, mm-hmm that is something you are going to have to pay attention to.
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about Ray Davis, and rightfully so. Dude rushed for over 200 yards against Florida, and I thought up to that point, Florida had a good defense. I thought everybody kind of had the assumption that Florida had a really good defense, and that was the strength of their football team. And obviously, Kentucky either found a weakness in that defense, or they just kind of knew from the get-go that that was how they were going to beat Florida, and that was the recipe that they're going to use to beat every single team. I think that kind of what maybe should make you worry a little bit more as a Georgia fan going against a team like Kentucky as opposed to an Auburn is that Kentucky actually has a – now, Devin Leary has not played up to the standard that I think a lot of people have, but he can sling it when he wants to. You know, Peyton Thorne played the best game of his life, basically, against Georgia. He played – he threw some really nice footballs, ones that we had not seen him throw pretty much at all this year, and he turned into a really good quarterback against Georgia – yeah. Devin, Leary, Devin Leary is very capable of doing so as well. So, if they can get the run game going as well, and then Devin Leary can make some nice passes as well, that's where they can kind of get you in trouble. But then again, too, Georgia, for some reason, has always just had a known how to beat Kentucky. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it never looks pretty. It never looks great. It's always one of those games where you kind of have Last to grind it out a, a
1: little bit. Tough one.
2: Yeah, for some reason, Kentucky is always just kind of one of those grind it out games. But Kirby Smart has always figured out how to beat Kentucky and I think that's something to take note of. I think especially that you have this game at home. I don't know that Kentucky um, is going to be able to hang with Georgia's offense defensively. And look guys, you got Will Muschamp, you got Kirby Smart, you got Glenn Schumann, you got you got all these guys on the defensive side of the football that get to go back and watch that Auburn tape and figure out and analyze the Kentucky tape against Florida and answer all your questions about it. Cuz that's a good thing about this Florida game. And the fact that Kentucky played Florida before they played Georgia, Kentucky or Florida attempts to run the same style of defense that Georgia does. You know, mid front, four down defensive linemen, two linebackers. They tried to run exactly what Georgia does. And so Georgia's going to be able to watch that tape and kind of figure out what went wrong for Florida and what do they need to really capitalize on.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's so in this game that they scored 33 points on and they had that many rushing yards they were still only one for eight on third downs though so there's a huge opportunity when when you get in those third down situations that you can get them off the field because their quarterback was nine or nine for 19 on 69 yards passing so they they when you put them in a third down situation that's where you're going to be able to get the best of them and i think that's where kirby is going to focus on all right first and second down First and second down are extremely important. Let's make this a long third down. Let's give them long shots at the first down because they still ended up with 22 first downs in that game. So they were able to move mm-hmm. the ball well. They were getting chunk plays in the running game. They averaged nine yards per carry in that game. So that means they were just gashing you. And that's that's something that George is going to have to really focus on. And like you said, they, they know how to look at all this stuff. They'll find mm-hmm. all of the ways to beat them and all the ways to stop them. But – it, it's obviously going to start with your front seven. Your outside you know, linebackers need to be able to contain the edge pretty well. Uh, your, your interior defense needs to stand strong and not give ground on where they're, they're, where they're supposed to be and uh, and really kind of put the pressure on their quarterback to actually have the ability to throw the ball. That's, once again, my key to this game like it was last week. Make them beat you in the air. Don't let them run for three hundred yards on you or two hundred and fifty yards on you, whatever mm-hmm. Georgia gave up this past week, two hundred something to, to Auburn. But don't don't let that happen. Don't let them beat you that way. Because if you don't let them beat you that way, they're going to be struggling. Georgia has one of the best secondaries in all of college football. You have Bullard back. You know you, you've you've got your guys right now. Mm-hmm. So make them challenge you downfield and see if they can do it. Don't let them sit there and and pick away at you run by run.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that Georgia has that a lot of other teams don't is they have a Malachi Starks at safety, a guy that can fill a lane quicker than anybody else in the entire country coming from there. So that's another guy that you can add into the run game that most people can't, at least that quickly. Like, Of course, their safety might read run, but the running back may have already picked up six yards by the time he meets them. Malachi Starks can meet a guy – two yards past the line of scrimmage to get him down to the ground. That's something special to have. And then you got Pop and Smile Munden, and those are reliable guys. I think the defensive line – like, and you have some guys in the reserves that have played really well against the run, like Kristen Miller this year. He's played really, really well against the run. So maybe that's a guy that you give some more run this year as opposed to some other weeks. Maybe he gets his number called more than some others. And So I think Georgia has the bodies and they have the talent to stop the run. And I think that's kind of why they've had Kentucky's number because Kentucky, for the most part, has lived and died by the run. You know, when they had yeah. Benny Snell and they had those guys toting the rock for them, that's I mean, that's what they live and die by offensively. And Georgia's been able to answer the call every single time. And I think they will Saturday. Um, definitely can't have what you had happen on Saturday against Auburn. Can't replicate that performance for sure against Kentucky. Um, but I don't think that they will. I'm going to go ahead and answer this question from Dan. Georgia has not covered a single spread I was all year. Yeah. Um. Short answer: Crazy things have happened. Crazy spreads have been put on Georgia. You know, there's been some 40 point spreads put on them when they played teams like UT Martin and whatnot, and um and Ball State. And then in Ball State, like, and then some, you know, just some crazy things happen against South Carolina and Auburn that you typically don't see from Georgia. You know, I thought it was interesting actually that the line was kept at minus 14 for Georgia going into this Auburn game because I thought for sure that Georgia was 14 points better than Auburn. But, you know, crazy things happen. You turn the ball over three times, you gift them 14 points. Now you're in a dogfight. So I don't, and so obviously, Vegas, as they always do, knew something that this game was going to be closer than probably than what many thought. And so I think that's just your answer is like in the games, especially like South Carolina, Auburn, you know, just some uncharacteristic things happen for Georgia.
1: Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is, first of all, when it comes to the spread, like Zach is talking about in there. Kirby's never really cared about covering the spread. He just wants to win, and he, you know that—that's just kind of a number that's out there. So I don't think Georgia looks to run the score up like you were talking about in the games against UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, where the spread is 42 points. I think they pushed on one of the spreads because it was a 42 point spread, and they won by 42. Uh, mm-hmm. So. That that's kind of hard to deal with when they put that kind of number on you. But the two big ones that you can actually look at as far as not covering would be South Carolina and Auburn. South Carolina, they put that spread at, what, 23 points, I think? It was something, yeah, something honestly like ridiculous for an SEC matchup that uh, against an, a South Carolina team that's not a terrible football mm-hmm. team. So that was kind of just, I don't think you're covering that score. That That's pretty pretty high. I was surprised that it was as high as it was when they released it. Auburn at 14. I, I did think Georgia would cover 14 points as well. I really thought, you know, Auburn wasn't a great football team this year. I've said it multiple times, but they came out and they, you know, like you said, turn the ball over a few times, kind of kills you. But if you're moving forward, and I don't know what the spread, I don't know if they've announced the spread for Saturday. I was Saturday. just about to ask you, do you know what the spread for the Kentucky game is? I haven't seen it, no. Take a guess. Spread against Kentucky? Yeah. I mean, it should be like 10. Okay, not bad guess. It's -15 in favor of Georgia. See, that still feels like it feels high. And I'm not saying that Georgia can't cover a 15-point spread, but I would probably say like cuz especially Kentucky coming off of a pretty big win against Florida this past week and Georgia has struggled against Auburn and then South Carolina a little bit. I would put the spread, you know, probably a little bit lower. 10 points kind of feels where I would put it, but I I honestly 15 points I'm, I'm not really a big betting person. I don't know that I would put money saying Georgia will cover because watch them score 14 or be up by 14 and not cover the 15 points. Brad. I was just about to say, like, this is
2: one of those games where it, it's, it's probably going to end 27 to 13 or something like that. Yeah, not only points. Like, not only because both teams kind of play into each other's weaknesses and strengths, but also because, like, Kentucky's a team that runs the – piss out of the football so what does that mean it means the clock is going to be running a lot especially with this new clock rule where the clock does not stop on first downs until you're inside of two minutes yeah like that clock is just going to keep on ticking if you're a team like kentucky so that also means limited possessions and so yeah i i I just always every time kentucky comes up on the schedule i'm like yeah that's a 27 13 win for georgia every single time
1: yeah you don't expect georgia to go out and score 35 40 points that kind of thing so i'm with you on that i think yeah, I think 14. That's why 15, I probably wouldn't bet on it because I think 14 about the max you see Georgia win by two touchdowns, and that's mm-hmm. a solid win. I think if you control the game and you don't really let them into it and you win by 14, I think Georgia fans would walk away happy overall. What you don't want to see is Georgia have to come back from behind again. I think that's what yes. Georgia fans want to see. Get out there, score early. You know, If they want to score a couple points here and there, that's fine, but have the lead throughout the game. That's what Georgia fans want to see. That's what I want to see is you control the game mm-hmm. against this opponent because the first two SEC opponents you have not and you've had to come back from behind to win. You were successfully able to do that, which is incredible feat especially being on the road at Auburn. But this time you're at home against Kentucky. It's a night game. Your crowd is going to be electric. It's going to be the first like true true night game that's not, you know, who Ball State was a 7:30 kickoff, but this one's an SEC opponent for hey, a night UAB game was a night game, was it? No, it was. Yeah, it was a night game. It was seven thirty. You one of the games was seven thirty. I don't think two were. Were they? Yeah, I don't know. One of the games your were thing, UT Martin was six thirty, so
2: that one didn't really feel like a night game because no, because it was early in the season
1: too. So yeah. like it UAB was,
2: was a straight up night
1: game. Yeah, UAB was. So we got one night game, but I'm saying this is the one against like an SEC opponent. Oh no, where yeah, your for crowds sure. are really going to be into it. And, and the fans are going to be electric for it. So they're going to give you the environment to succeed early in this game, put the pressure on Kentucky. So I want to see Georgia get out there um, and have a good start, You know, score 14 points in the first quarter, You know, potentially maybe 10 points in the first quarter I'd be okay with as well. But I want to see them put points on the board in that first quarter against Kentucky and maybe keep Kentucky off the board in that first quarter.
2: Yeah, Kentucky is one of those teams where you don't want to be fighting from behind. Like I said, that offensive play style, if they're running the football as much as I did against Florida, that is not the type of offense that you want to be trailing against because I'm telling you, they're just going to be eating clock and they're going to be keeping you away from the football. And that's not something that you want to be playing against. If you are down 10 points or something like that, you know that, that is not your friend. So, yeah, would like to see the offense get out early. And I think the offense honestly would. I think they have been on pace to start out games quick if they would just freaking protect the football. If yep. you could keep the football in your hands in the first half, I think Georgia would be putting up good numbers in the first half, and we wouldn't be hearing any yep. of this nonsense about how the offense has been starting. So if you protect the freaking football, Georgia would be fine in the first half. So maybe we'll get that for the first time. Um, this week against Kentucky and you won't have to worry about that
1: but that's all I got you got anything else started no not really I would like I said the keys to the game just protect the football like always I want to see my keys are the same as last week protect the football and make them beat you in the pass game don't let them sit there and run the ball on you all game long for 300 yards like they did against Florida so make them beat you in a different way make them go out of their comfort zone don't play to their game make them play to yours and that's where Georgia will be successful especially if they don't turn the ball over but that is all I got and by God, throw that ball to Brock Bowers, please. Keep on doing it. Just Amen. keep on feeding him back. Just keep on feeding him. He's but got 400 yards already yeah. on the season, by the way. After five games, 400 yards. So he's on. He's on a good pace to easily break that thousand-yard mark this season. Yeah, Terrence Edwards on Twitter said, "Break all
2: my records, brother. Like you freaking deserve it. You you have all the talent in the world. Go break every single one of my records. He yep. deserved it. I Get that man in the Heisman race. Get that man in New York. We're pushing the narrative already." But like I said earlier in the episode, guys, we are closing in on 400 subscribers. So if you are not subscribed already, please do so. Help us reach that milestone and keep on helping us climb up the charts. Like and subscribe if you haven't already, as I just mentioned. Follow us on all the Twitters, all the socials. Do all that good stuff for us so you can stay up to date on the freaking information on the show, man. And maybe you get a dope, funny tweet from us like we did on Saturday that you maybe missed or on Friday that you maybe missed if you weren't following us. So go do that. Give us all the shout-out. Show some love to us as you guys have
1: always continued to do so. And, Stoddard, you can close us out. As always, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... of the entire Bulldog Nation.